prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you as was just sung there that no matter what we're going through, Lord, Lord Jesus, you are always there. And Lord, as we are studying about trials, the testing of our faith this morning, Lord, we know that even when we go through those difficult times, we face the trials and the testings of this life, Lord, we know that you are there with us in everything that we do. So, Lord, today as we wrap up this study in the life of Abraham, we come to this climactic story in his life. climax of his testing Lord let us find comfort in the lesson that this episode has to teach us as we face the testings of our own faith let us find strength let us find endurance let us learn to persevere through your word and your promise this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We are finishing up our, our series, Journey of Faith. As we've been walking with Abraham and his walk of faith. Uh, Abraham has come a long ways. And so we are finishing that up, and today we look at that final story, that final episode in Abraham's life. The Bible teaches us it's the sacrifice of Isaac, one of those difficult passages as we read it and try to understand it, but hopefully we'll learn from it this morning. If you found your place there in Genesis chapter 2, stand with me if you will in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Reading 1 through 19 this morning. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire 
and the wood, but where is the lamb of the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abram, Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, we have to all admit that we dislike discomfort, don't we? I mean, if it gets a little warm in here, we're going to complain that it's too hot. If it gets a little cold, we're going to complain that it's too cold. We don't like to be uncomfortable, especially in our Americanized society. We, we have, I mean, we, we have luxury at our fingertips most all the time. Uh, we find, have ways to, to be comfortable, right? We have nice pillow-top mattresses and nice pillows and and all of these things to make life easy and comfortable we don't like to talk about being uncomfortable even so that when we talk about faith oftentimes we see we we see people talk about faith like that's a, a guarantee to comfort right if you come to faith well well God will just work everything out for you and life will be lovely and wonderful I'll walk in the park but that's not what Scripture tells us, is it? In fact, James tells us, count it all joy. My brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Not count it all joy when you have a life of ease and luxury. Count it all joy 
when you face trials of various kinds. You see, the Christian life is not a life that promises comfort, at least not in this age. We look forward to the age of God's eternal blessing, but in this age we are promised trials of various kinds. And as we, we look in Scripture and we learn, and, and as we look at this passage today, we see that the trials are really for our benefit. They're to build up our faith. They're to strengthen us in our walk with the Lord. And so today as we look at this passage and we, we dig into the text here, here's what I want us to see. Here's what I want us to learn Embrace the testing of your faith, for in its testing, faith learns to trust God all the more. Let me say that again. Embrace the testing of your faith, for in its testing, faith learns to trust God all the more. Well, as we come to this, this final Story, this final part of the narrative that we're going to be looking at. I know Abraham goes on a, a little bit more with some more things, but this is kind of the climax of it all before we get into the life of Isaac. So I thought this was a good place to, to end this study in the life of Abraham. And as we look at this and we think about all that has happened to Abraham up to this point, we remember back to when his story began. Abraham was around 75 years old, there in Ur. God came to him and said, leave your country. Leave your people, your kinsmen. Leave your father's house and go from all that you know Leave all of your life of security in this place and you go to a place that I will tell you, a place that I will take you. A place that you don't know, a place you've never seen, but a place that I'm going to give to your offspring after you. And Abraham went to this place. And there God came to him again and said, guess what, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to give you an offspring. And through your offspring, I will give you more offspring. In fact, Abraham, look at the stars and count them if you can. So shall your offspring be. Abraham said, well, what do you mean, God? Here I am. I'm 75 years old. My wife's not far behind me. And yet, I have no son. I have no offspring. This servant in my house, he is going to inherit all that I have. And God said, no, no, no. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. And through your son, through that offspring, I'm going to bless the nations. And Abraham waited for 25 years. 
25 years he waited looking for God to to bring about this promise. And finally the day came when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old. And God gave them Isaac, the long-awaited offspring, the long-awaited son Oh, Abraham rejoiced. He he threw a great party because Isaac had been born. And now here comes God again. For about 10 years after that, 10 to 15 years, something like that. We know Isaac, he's old enough to, to be able to to bear a load of wood on his back up a mountain, so he, he has to be at least 10 to 15, somewhere in that range. And God comes and says, Abraham, here I am, Lord. Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, son whom you love. I want you to take him to the place that I'm going to show you. And I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering. Can you imagine what Abraham might have thought at that moment? All of these years, all of these years waiting for this promise, and now here's this son. This one and only son whom the Lord had promised him. And now the Lord says, take him and offer him up. Slaughter him and offer him up to me. But the author of the text is sure to tell us right from the beginning that God hasn't lost his mind He's not a, a, a mean, hateful God that, uh, that we might imagine him to be, but he offers this right up, up out of the, the gate. After these things, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. There's a reason that he starts with that. As we as the audience are reading the text, we need to know that from the beginning before we get to the end, Right? God is bringing this as a test to Abraham. Now, what does it mean that God tested Abraham? What is a test? What's the purpose of a test? Well, to test someone means to try or to prove someone. In relation to God, God is said to try or to prove men by adversity in order to prove their faith it also has this sense of to give experience or to train someone and so it's meant to to test is it's to, to to test them to prove something right in this case god wants to prove the faith of abraham But does God really need to prove the faith of Abraham for God to know what kind of faith Abraham has? Well, no, he doesn't. 
God knows the kind of faith Abraham has. God is all-knowing. He knows what kind of man Abraham is. He knows how he has built Abraham up. God doesn't have to prove Abraham's faith to himself, to God. God wants to test Abraham for Abraham's benefit. So that Abraham can see his faith, learn from his faith. You see, dear friend, God tests the faith of those whom he loves. God tests the faith of those whom he loves. It's not like God has suddenly begun to hate Abraham. No, God loves Abraham. God loved Abraham when Abraham was a pagan in Ur, worshiping the sun god and the moon god and all those other false gods. God set his love upon Abraham at that point and brought him out of all that, brought him to the land of promise. God loves Abraham. God has provided for Abraham. God has fulfilled the promise that he gave to Abraham. This test is an act of love on Abraham. Why? Why? Why would this be an act of love? How is testing an act of love? Well, testing, number one, proves faith. Testing proves faith. It proves faith to the one who holds the faith, right? The one who has the faith. It proves the faith. Currently, I'm, I'm reading a book by E.B. Sledge. E.B. Sledge was a Marine who served in World, World, World War II, excuse me, there in the Pacific Theater, serving with the Marines there. And the war had already begun when, when Sledge joined the Marine Corps, and he joined it because he wanted to go serve his country. He just felt that was a thing that he needed to do. He wanted to go out and serve his country. So he joined up with the Marine Corps, and he went through training. He went through boot camp, and then he went through infantry training. He was a, a, a mortar guy, so uh, he went through all of that training. And then they loaded him up on the ship with all of his other, other Marine buddies and, and sent them to the Pacific. And there's a part in the book where Sledge is there on the ship headed to the islands in the Pacific, headed to the war. And he has this question, will I have courage? Will I have the courage to stand up in the fight and to charge the enemy when they're shooting back at me? He was a Marine. He had gone through all the training, but he had that thought, I think I do. I think I have the courage. I think I can do it. But will I? Will I? When the bullets start flying, will I charge forward or I will, will I run like a coward? You see, 
He didn't know he had courage until he was, a fa- he was faced with a, a point in his life where he had to exercise that courage. It's the same with our faith. How do you know you have faith? If it's never practiced, if it's never put to the test, we would never know. How do we know we have true faith, saving faith? I mean, anyone can believe the truths of Scripture. Anyone can say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus was a real man. I believe he died on a cross, and I even believe that he rose again from the dead. But even the demons believe and tremble, right? That doesn't make a man saved or a woman saved. True faith is more than that. And how do you know you have true faith if that faith is never tested? Oh, this is a blessing from God upon Abraham, an opportunity to test his faith and prove his faith. Testing proves faith. Second, testing strengthens faith. Uh, Testing strengthens faith. It makes it stronger. Do you know the difference between forged metal and cast metal? Cast metal is, is when they take metal and they melt it down. And they pour it into a cast. They pour it into a mold. And it forms in whatever shape the mold is formed into. So if you want to make a wrench out of cast metal, then you build a mold the shape of a wrench. You pour the metal in, and you have a wrench when it, dry, when it, when it cools off. you got a wrench, right? Forged metal, however, is when you take metal and you stick it into the fire and you beat it into shape, right? So this is the blacksmith. He takes the metal, he puts it in the fire, he heats it up, he brings it out, sets it on the anvil, clank, 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 beats it into shape. Now, which one do you think is tougher? Which one is the most, has the most strength? Oh, come on, you hand him in. You know, when you buy tools, what are you looking for? You're looking for forged, right? Because a cast, a, a wrench made out of cast metal, it, it may break. It's not as strong. But forged metal is, is strong. It's been through the fire. It's been beaten and strengthened. Oh, that's the same as our faith. Our faith is made stronger when it's put into the fire and when it's beat into shape. God wants us to be strong in our faith. And so he puts us through that. He forges us into the men and the women that he wants us to be through the fires of testing. Oh, testing of our faith is an act of love from our Father. He gives us, he brings us tests to prove our faith and to strengthen our faith in him. So as the narrative then continues, we see the nature of Abraham's test. And oh, what a test it is, right? Abraham, take your son, your only son, and offer him up as a burnt offering. Now was... Isaac, really Abraham's only son? No. He had Ishmael, right? What does the text mean? Take your son, your only son, 
the son of the promise. Take the son that I promised you. Take the son through whom I promised a nation would come from. Take this son through whom all the blessings upon the nations would come through. Take this son of promise, this only son, and offer him up. It's a burnt offering. Sacrifice him. So Abraham, without question, he takes Isaac, he loads him up, and he takes him off to the place where God will show him. And as they get to the mountain there, in the land of Moriah, Scripture tells us, they come to the mountain to which God had shown them. Abraham takes the wood, he puts it on the back of his son, his only son, Isaac. And he takes the implements of death, he takes the knife, and he takes the fire in his own hands, and he marches up the mountain to offer up his son as a sacrifice. And Isaac says, Father, here I am, son. Where's the lamb? God will provide a lamb. And they go up to the mountain. And there they built an altar. And there he takes Isaac, he binds his hands, lays him upon the altar, trusting God. He pulls back the knife, getting ready to plunge it into the chest of his son, his only son. And just seconds before he brings the knife down, God says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Lord. And God says, now I know. Now I know your faith. Don't touch your son. Don't do anything to him. And Abraham looks ahead, and behold, there before him was a ram that God had provided. You see, while God tests the faith of those whom he loves, it is God who provides the substance of that faith. It is God who provides the substance of that faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is, a, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It was not because Abraham took his son and laid his son on the altar and pulled back the knife to slaughter his son that God saved Abraham. God provides the substance. 
He provides the meat of our faith. And there in that place, God provided the substitute. God provides the substitute. Oh friend, I want you to see in our text today that this story is not about Abraham and Isaac alone. This is a story about God and His Son, His only Son. You've got to see the parallel here. You've got to see it. Or else this story makes no sense whatsoever. You see, God provides the substitute. And it's not just in this ram that's caught up in the, the vines there, in the thicket. Oh, that's just a substitute for this day. But you see, my friend, God provides His Son, His only Son. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And we can add His only Son that whosoever believes in Him, His Son, should not perish but have eternal life. Don't you see? As Abraham went to the land of Moriah. By the way, do you know where the temple was built? Solomon built the first temple on Mount Moriah. Now there's arguments on whether this mountain that Abraham went to was the same mountain that Solomon built the temple, but the author of this Scripture wants us to get the point. He's bringing those two ideas together. This is the land of Moriah, and the, the temple of sacrifice was built on Mount Moriah. These two come together. And you see that Abraham, he strapped on the back of his son Isaac the, the wood of judgment. The wood of sacrifice. While Abraham took in his hands the implements of death and judgment. The implement of, of God's death and the fire of God's judgment. And he led him up to the hilltop on Mount Moriah. And there he was willing to offer up his son Isaac. And in the last moment, God came in and saved Isaac. Yet God himself took his own son, his only son, Jesus, and he strapped on the back of Jesus the wood of the sacrifice. And he led him up Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary. And God the Father took in his hand death. And the fire of his judgment and wrath. And he did not withhold death and wrath from his own son, but he poured it out upon him. 
to provide us a substitute. Jesus became the ram who took our sin and our shame and gave us life. You see, God provides the substance of our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and was raised again to give us life. What God has asked Abraham to do and yet provide a substitute God followed through with to provide us a substitute so that we don't have to face death and judgment but we might have life in Him. Oh dear friend, do you trust in Jesus today? Is your faith in Jesus Christ? See, it's not about what you've done for the Lord. It's not about what sacrifice you might have made for the Lord. But it's all about what God the Father has sacrificed and the Son has sacrificed on your behalf. Do you trust in Jesus? He is the substance of our faith. As the episode then concludes, we see that faith finds its reward. Faith then finds its reward. Look down there in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham and a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, Thus you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies and your offspring and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived in Beersheba. You see here in this test, Abraham's faith was proven. It was proven. We remember back at the very beginning of, of his life walking with God, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But test, but faith needs to be proven. It needs to be proven. We've got to know that it's real faith. Salvation came when he believed God. But here's when faith became known. It was proven by the test. And God's blessing then through this proof was assured. 
Though God provides the substance of faith, God also blesses the people of faith. God blesses the people of faith. That is the people of real faith. Romans 8.32 says, He who do not, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Think about that. As you walk through life, as you struggle through the tests that come along in your life, the various trials that may arise in your life, the sufferings that you may suffer in your life, and though it may be hard for the moment, though how do we get through it? We remember that God did not spare his own son for us. He gave his own son up for us to give us life. So these momentary afflictions, what are they? When we look to the promises of God that we have in Jesus Christ, how much more will he give us all things? Yes, even when you're struggling in this life, you're losing loved ones, you're losing health. You see family and friends struggling with alcohol and drug addiction and all of these things. You're struggling with all the things of this life. And it's hard. It is so hard at times. Nevertheless, God gave his son. How much more will he give you in the age to come? Yes, we got to suffer through some things in this life. But it's all looking forward to the blessings that God has revealed to us, the blessings that he holds for us in the future. I will surely multiply your offspring. And through your, and I will give your offspring the gates of his enemies. And through your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Who is the offspring but Jesus Christ? It's in Jesus that we believe and trust. So God blesses the people of faith. Well, that's Real faith. What does real faith look like? Real faith is believing faith. Now, that's kind of redundant, I know. Belie believing faith. Believing faith. Right? It, it is believing in Jesus. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is, did what he said he did, and will do what he says he will do. It is believing that, but it's also more than that. It is believing faith, but it's also obedient faith. It is obedient faith. You see, there's so many people who have the belief thing. And they think, well, as long as I believe certain facts, I'm good. But their life is a life of absolute disobedience against God. Dear friend, that's not saving faith. If that's the life you've been living, you're not saved. You're not. It is believing God. 
And part of believing God is obeying God. If you don't obey God, what, what use is your faith? In fact, James says, faith without works is dead faith. It's not alive. There's no life to it whatsoever. If your life doesn't show obedience to God, then your faith is useless. It's no better than the faith of the demons and the devil himself. But real faith is a faith that looks to God's Word and it obeys. Yes, we still have our ups and our downs and our struggles. It's not going to be perfect obedience. But it is obedient faith nonetheless. How is your faith today? How is your faith? Is it a believing faith and an obedient faith? Praise the Lord. But if it's not, today, turn to Jesus. Commit to Him to not only believe, but to obey. Embrace, friends, the testing of your faith, the forging of your faith. As James says there in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Oh, dear friend, we all have test to faith to face. Each of us have different tests that we must face. But know this, my friend, whatever test you may be going through today, whatever test you may face tomorrow, know that God uses all things together for the good of those who love Him. He is going to use whatever you're facing for your good to prove your faith, to test your faith, to strengthen your faith in the Lord. Embrace those tests. And let them work and do the work of the Lord in you. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I know today we have all faced tests. All of us who have given our lives, surrendered our lives to Christ, Lord, it begins right out of the gate with certain tests. And the longer that we live in the Lord, longer, the, the longer that we live in faith, much like Abraham Often those tests get harder and harder and harder. So the Lord may make us stronger and stronger and stronger. Lord, thank you for your work in our lives. Forgive us of our complaining. And give us the strength to embrace your testing. 
that we might count it all joy. As you forge us into the people that you're calling us to be. My Father, today, surely there are those here who don't know your saving grace. Perhaps they've been living thinking, well, I believe. But their life has been a life of active disobedience and rebellion, kicking against you every opportunity they have. Oh, Lord, let them see today the absence of faith in their life and let them turn to you. And no real Come today, O oh Lord, and do a work in this place, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.